Hello, and welcome to Bubby Brister's Brunch Buddies, your go-to show for football history, analysis, and general sports information on the Cowboys, Washington football team, and Seattle Mariners on KMIH 88.9 The Bridge. I'm Harry Gollin, here with Andrew Pearson. Hello, folks. Today, Andrew and I are going to be covering the matchup between the Dallas Cowboys and the New England Patriots, as well as the Washington football team and the Kansas City Chiefs. So first off, we got the Patriots and the Cowboys. And would you believe it? The Cowboys hold the all-time advantage, but only by a little bit, seven to six. Now, the teams have never met in the playoffs, which isn't that surprising, of course, considering Cowboys are an NFC team. It, it would mean the they would have to meet in a Super Bowl. Yeah. But, Andrew, I want to tell you a little something, all right? And, you know, you're our resident Cowboys fan here, right? Yeah. Um. When is the last time the Cowboys beat the Patriots? Oh, it had to have at least been in the 90s. Or earlier? I'm not saying anything. Well, what's the win streak? They've lost six straight. They've lost six straight, so that's 24 years. So that would be 1990. Oh my god, I can't do math. Uh, 1997? 96. That's impressive, Andrew. Yeah. You really got it. Yeah. Uh, so the Cowboys have not beat the Patriots in your lifetime. And uh, yeah, just kind of an interesting thing because that just shows how dominant the Cowboys were. Because before they're starting in at the end of that 96 game that the Cowboys won, they actually were 7-0 and against the Pats. Never had lost. And then it proceeded to lose six straight. That actually doesn't surprise me at all because the Cowboys of the 70s and 80s were still really good. And then, of course, you have the 90s dynasty. Yeah, I and, just think it's interesting. And right? considering that that the teams would have played every four years, because um, for, for folks who don't know, uh, each division plays an opposite division from, from the AFC every year, and they just keep rotating um, every single year. So, for example, the Cowboys in the NFC East – or the NFC East as a whole plays the AFC East one year, then it's the AFC West, then the North, then the South, and then it just keeps on a rotation. I don't know what the rotation specifically is, yeah, but, yeah. but that's, that's just a little insight on how schedules work. Yeah, but anyway, the point is that it's still a little surprising that the that they would be that skewed, that you'd go 7-0 and and then 0-6, right? Yeah. Certainly an interesting observation. But our first game will be the only game between the two teams that actually went into overtime. So it's a little bit of an outlier there. Um, it was played on November 15th, 1987, right? So we're, we're sort of, we're, in, we're still in when the Cowboys were beating the Patriots, to be clear, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so you know who the quarterback for that team, for that Cowboys team was, Andrew, 87? 87? Probably mm -hmm. would have been Danny White. That's right, it's Danny White. Yeah. But Dallas's first points would not come from anything that Danny White did. Actually, it was a Ron Francis uh, pick six. So mm -hmm. there you go. So Dallas is going to jump out to an early lead late in the first quarter. However, Steve Grogan is going to do a QB sneak to tie it up early in the second. But right before halftime, Danny White finds Doug Cosby, putting Dallas up 14-7 to heading into the locker room. Nothing happens in the third quarter until the until New England starts to move down, gets the ball back and starts to move downfield. By early in the fourth quarter, they end up kicking a field goal. So now they're only down by four, 14 to 10. 
then New England actually, uh, then okay, this is actually one thing that's worth mentioning. Starting quarterback Steve Grogan is injured, knocked out. So backup quarterback Tom Ramsey comes in and he finds Stanley Morgan to score a touchdown, giving New England the lead. However, with less than 30 seconds left, Dallas ties it up with a field goal. Then, in overtime, you might expect, oh, it's been such a close game and a defensive struggle. Obviously, it was a back and forth. No, it was a Herschel Walker 60-yard run. That's it. That's the game. 23-17, Cowboys win. Oh, my God. Wait, this must have been Herschel Walker's rookie year. 87? Yeah, it must have been. Because he spent his, what, first three or four years in the USFL. I don't remember. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So it was an interesting game and a good back and forth. But we actually talked about Steve Grogan before, earlier, years ago now. But we haven't talked about that backup quarterback, Tom Ramsey. Now, what would you, what would you expect Tom Ramsey, kind of journeyman quarterback, only around for a couple of years in the NFL? What would you expect sort of his career to be like, Andrew? Like his pre-NFL career. Oh, pre-NFL career? Yeah. Well, maybe maybe gone to a small college and mm-hmm. uh, maybe even Division two college. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he's one of those exotic types, he went to the CFL before he came to the Very to possible. The oh, wait, no, this would have been 87, so maybe he was part of the USFL? Mm, Herschel Walker was. Yeah. Actually, he was the quarterback for Granada, uh, for, I believe it was, I can't remember the name now, but they were the, I think it was, he was Kennedy High School's quarterback, which was the rival of John Elway's high school. So he went head to head with John Elway. He was John Elway's high school rival. And then, yeah, to... rival. No, rival. no, seriously. They were good. They were close games. And I mean, like, you know, obviously Elway was better, but, you know, he was not bad. And then he went to UCLA and won MVP in the Rose Bowl. Wow. But he just never he just never had that kind of success at the NFL level. In fact, I think he's actually like a ring of honor or whatever the UCLA equivalent is for UCLA. Now, the only thing he's really known for now is you either know him. He's he did some analysis for college football. I think he's still doing stuff. But also, he is the last New England quarterback to wear number 12. Who is not Tom Brady. So he's probably the second to last man to ever wear number 12 at the QB position for New England ever which is a little bit of an interesting observation. Yeah, obviously they're going to retire Brady's number. Yeah, in a exactly. Couple of years, so. Um, yeah, so honestly, an inter- I just find him interesting because there's an example of how, I mean, honestly, you kind of expect this guy to be a little bit more relevant at least, you know? Look at yeah. like Vinny Testaverde, right? Mm-hmm. He never was able to put together a good run of seasons, right? But people He's know got- about him. People right. He was around forever. There was always a team that was lining up to give him a chance. But despite that pedigree in high school and in college, Ramsey just kind of fell out of the league. I mean, I don't know. It's interesting because I think a lot of people tend to think that the standards for quarterbacks were a lot lower in the 80s. And to a certain extent, that's true. But maybe it's just because the draft was bigger. There were more rounds. A lot of guys fell through the cracks. They came into the league. They played a year or two and then they were just kind of gone, you know? Yeah, I mean that was that was sports in general back in the day as well, you know. That's true. I mean that's still baseball to a big extent. The roster churn in baseball is kind of unmatched. Well, then again, they, baseball has all those minor league systems that yeah. just change on a dime. Yeah. 
So now we're going to move to our second game, which was a 2011 matchup in Foxborough. Now, 2011, I think you know who's quarterback in that uh, Cowboys Of course, team it was here. Tony Romo. All right, that's right. Yeah. Now, would you believe me if I told you Tony Romo outplayed Tom Brady that game? I would believe you, and I would equally believe that the defense blew it. Um, how do I say this, Andrew? Really, neither. The defense played pretty well, all things considered. And yeah, so here's, here's what things get interesting. Tony Romo outplayed Tom Brady. That is true. What I'm telling you is true. But I never what's said he played the, well. What's the catch? The catch is that both quarterbacks played terribly. <laughs> okay, so let me let me give you a. It was a fast-paced, high-scoring game, Andrew. Right. Mm-hmm. First quarter, field goal, field goal, tied at three. Oh my! Then in the second quarter, another field goal for New England. They're up six to three. Then Tom Brady finds Wes Welker. There you go. It's thirteen to three. But Tony responds by finding Jason Witten. So Big now Jim it's thir- That's right. Yeah. Thirteen to ten. Third quarter. What do the Cowboys do? Kick a field goal. It's tied thirteen to thirteen. And no one else scores for the rest of the third quarter. Finally, in the fourth quarter, Dan Bailey breaks through to kick another field goal. So the Cowboys are up 16 to three, right? Yes. To be clear, when we're just to sort of put it like this, kicking wise, Dan Bailey has kicked three field goals, of which two are within 30 yards. Not only that, but this is when Dan Bailey was actually really good. This is uh, when he was good, but we're talking about blown opportunities. What I'm saying yeah. is that he's not making 40, 50 yards here. He is, the team is getting into the red zone or red zone adjacent area and not being able to convert, right? So the majority of the field goals he's kicking are missed opportunities, really. Mm -hmm. So what happens, you know, 20 seconds left, Tom Brady goes down, finds Aaron Hernandez, (laughs) of all people, to to score a touchdown and win New England the game, blah, blah, blah. Tom Brady clutch wins games, X Factor, greatest of all time, blah, blah, blah. But... Kind of interesting that uh, I just don't think in the modern NFL, even, you know, this is only 10 years ago. I'm not sure you would see that many times where the Cowboys just kept giving Dan Bailey kicks. Right. I think especially especially in that tie game in the third quarter, do you do you almost go for it? I mean, because it was not a long fourth down. So I feel like you might push a little bit. You know? I, I think you're actually underselling just how cowardly the NFL used to be. Not not just not just, you know, 10, 20 years ago. I'm talking five years ago. How low how low the uh, fourth down go for it percentage oh, yeah. actually was. Um, I, I'm sure I'm sure anybody who's been watching football for at least five, five to ten years will tell you that a handful of years ago, you saw a fourth and two to a fourth and four. It was getting punted almost That's every right. single time. Nowadays, you're, you're not seeing that, and that's why you're seeing more exciting football, uh, on average, at least, I would say. But, I don't. I didn't like that Chargers-Browns game. No one played any defense. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that is a certain problem, but that, that is a discussion we could have about on its own, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, personally, I am more of a I'm, – I'm a hardcore defense kind of guy, so, you know, I'm not the – I'm not the demographic the NFL is trying to appeal to, clearly. Yeah, but um, – but yeah, just 10, 10, five years ago, 
just nobody wanted to go for it on fourth down. It was it was a thing until just very recently. So yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh talking about the game though, you know who the starting running back for the Pats was that game? Just a guess. It's not Corey Dillon. Um no. Kevin Falk. That he he was a running back for the Pats, but not the one who got the majority of the carries here. Uh, He's got a very distinct name. Who would it who would it have been? Not around for long, so I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't get it, but you'll recognize the name. There's no way you won't. Um I feel like I I feel like I know who you're talking about. The instant you yeah. tell me you go ahead. Yeah. All right, give you I'll give you one last hint, just a chance. He was nicknamed Law Firm because he had so many different names in his name. That yeah. narrowed down at all? Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. No. I actually don't. I don't remember that. You don't one. remember him? I don't, I don't remember know why, one. but I he sticks in my mind. I think it's just because of that name. Now, Ben Jarvis Green Ellis was an undrafted guy. Didn't really. He wasn't around for that long. He was, I think, three years with the Pats, and then he signed a three-year deal with the Bengals and got replaced by Gio Bernard, right? Mm-hmm. But he holds a particular record. He had five. 189 consecutive touches to begin his career without a fumble. He never fumbled in the Patriots jersey. Wow. So, I don't know. That's kind of impressive. Uh, yeah, that's pretty neat. That's neat. And it kind of it epitomizes that kind of Patriots player, you know? Mm-hmm. Never hurts the team. Never fumbles. But anyway, I just wanted to make another connection, right? Mm-hmm. So, Andrew, I know you're a Cowboys fan, but I think... I think you'll take some pleasure in this old, so you might say, in, in this old article, article I dug up. And why did I take up this article? Well, I know you're really concerned, Andrew. You're jonesing for some Bubby. You need your fix. I wait. I was waiting and, for him. And he's here because Bubby played the Cowboys. And he played the Cowboys in one of his first games as an NFL quarterback. Oh, wow. So I know this might be, you might be a little conflicted, but Bubby beat the Cowboys 24 to 21. And I just want to read you some, I I've taken an old L- archived LA times article. I'm going to pull some quotes from it. Cause I think you'll get a kick out of this. It opens right. with the Pittsburgh Steelers may have found a quarterback Sunday, right? Yeah. Brister improvising several key passes when his protection and when his protection broke down, completed 13 of 27 passes for 214 yards and had a hand in all Pittsburgh scoring. Withstanding two touchdown passes by the Cowboys, Steve Puller. Okay. okay. And then my absolute favorite, Chuck Knoll, saying, Bubby's going to make things happen. There was a lot of pressure on him, but he made big plays and got us out of some holes. And I'm very happy with his performance. This was the okay. start of something great. This, this was the Bubby connection is that Bubby played the 80s Cowboys, and it was the start of something wonderful his career that's right just well how long did he last in the nfl about what 12 13 he was still 99 i mean he was there in 99 no no no. he made it to to 2000 oh he did technically yeah you're right you're right so 12 years yeah because this was in 88 so man yeah what a guy what a guy what a guy ah but anyway he just so this is interesting right uh so, interesting little thing. You know who caught a touchdown that game as well? It, it was two legends with some big performances early on in their career. 
Uh, are you talking about Bobby? The 80, are you talking about the '88 game or? Yeah, there was an '88. There was a player in '88. He was a rookie, um, and he and he, he caught a touchdown. I don't know, man. Mike Malarkey. Michael Irvin. Michael Irvin. Oh, oh, that's yeah. It, you didn't you didn't designate what what side of the ball we were talking. Oh, about. No, no. I'm just saying. I mean, Bobby gets his big game. Michael Irvin catches the TD. Really, two legends, two Hall of Famers. To, to a real meeting of the minds here, Harry. I mean, honestly, what more do you want? You're talking about like big meetings. The NFL media hypes up all these games. I mean, but where was the where was the hype machine for this game? Huh? I know what we, the the lamestream media just keeps <laughs> jipping us when it comes to this kind of stuff. It's true. Like Patrick Mahomes, who even is that? And why do I care if he's playing the Bills? I want to see Bubby Brister play good old fashioned. 24 point football okay yeah I, actually unironically before that before we recorded this i was i went back and re-watched um I, I was starting to put to watch the uh 1989 afc wild card mm. game between bubby and warren moon for the houston Oilers. Ah, two great equally great quarterbacks <laughs> <laughs> and the guy the guy the announcer guy uh, on the on the radio crew right uh, not the radio mm-hmm. crew the broadcasting crew Sure, he was sure. talking about like, oh yeah, man, I, uh, Bubby's mother Francis came up to us uh, before the game. We talked to her before the game, and uh, she told she told me that uh, I looked more handsome in person, and I really didn't know how to respond to that. <laughs> yeah, how do you respond to that? <laughs> yeah. What? Just- this is real. Is this real? This is real. This was on the bro- this is within the first 10 minutes of the broadcast. Oh my god. It, it's it, it, is, it is if you go rewatch the broadcast, which is in terrible quality on YouTube, but it's there. Okay. Uh, it's a, it's a really bad old v- VHS recording. I've um, watched a lot of Bubby's games. I think I even watched that one, but I don't remember that. Yeah, it's like within the first 10 minutes it is on the Steelers first drive. Oh, okay. It, and it's like, yeah, man, his mom came up to me and told me I was a handsome guy. It's like, I don't know, dude. I don't know. How am I supposed to respond to that? How are you supposed to respond to that? That's a good question. But anyway. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so there's there's your little hit of Bubby trivia, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Andrew, Bubby-less, the no Bubby uh, for either the Cowboys or the Pats, unfortunately. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? I think it's pretty easy to tell you what's going to happen. Uh, for some reason, the Cowboys defense has not been a dumpster fire this year. In fact, it's almost been yeah. good, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I, I'm tiptoeing around that. because The I, rest of the NFL shudders. <laughs> I, I am tiptoeing around that because uh, the offense is basically as advertised, except a little bit better. Um Dak yeah. Prescott. Dak Prescott looks like a new quarterback this year, which, mm. which you know, I'm really happy about. He actually looks good this year, so that's great. Uh, you know, he's back healthy. All of our, all the wide receivers are are playing amazing. By the way, the Cowboys' offense isn't even at full strength. It's not at full strength because Lyle Collins, uh, is not <laughs> is not back. Yet. <laughs> Lyle Collins is Lyle Collinsing. Lyle Collins will be back from suspension, I think, either this week or next week. Uh, You say that assuming he doesn't sue the NFL. (laughs) And and (laughs) Michael Gallup hasn't even come back from injury yet. He's set to come back within the next two or three weeks as well. 
Right, right. So this Cowboys offense isn't even at full strength, and that is very promising if you're a Cowboys fan for this offense. And the defense has been playing great. Um, Trevon Diggs is looking like one of the better corners in the league this year. I'm not gonna be the type. I'm not gonna be the guy to tell you he's a defensive player of the year candidate, because um, that that award's going to Miles Garrett or Aaron Donald. Just being yeah. honest, would that be a record for? Does Aaron Donald? How far is Aaron Donald from holding the record for most consecutive? Uh, consecutive? Uh, not consecutive. Excuse me. Just total. like most total defensive players of the year. I, does he? Yeah, I know he's got at least two. Yeah, I think it's isn't it only like three or something? JJ Watt, if if he if JJ Watt were to get another one, he would break. I think it's five is the record or something like that. I don't I don't even know who would, it's would not it. high. It's breakable, but it's not like so low that anybody could get it. Yeah, but um, I mean Aaron Donald is just ridiculously good. He might just be the best football player I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean Aaron Donald is something else. But anyway, yeah. Uh, just anyway, talking about it. Yeah, that that that's all the Cowboys side, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Cowboys defense actually looks all right this year. Plus, Trevon Diggs, six picks in five games, folks. That is uh, that is a Cowboys record. And for if he wants the record for most picks in consecutive games, he's gonna be need he's going to need to keep getting picks until week eight. Um, I, I forget who holds the record currently, but it's some old. Uh, corner for the Steelers, or no? I think it's actually Night Train Lane. I think it's Night Train yeah. Lane who who holds most consecutive picks. You think um, so? Yeah. Which is, I think, eight games, eight consecutive games. I think, I think is what it is. So if Trevon Diggs, Trevon Diggs act, is in a position to shoot for it, and I hope he does. I really hope he does. Yeah. Six picks yeah. in five games, folks. But on the flip side, for the Pats, ah, uh, it's they won. They did win last night. I mean, uh, last week. They did. It was ugly. It was. I ugly mean, they game. nearly lost to the Texans. <laughs> to Davis Mills. To Davis Mills. Uh, I think you bro- mean... It's Davis, the greatest of all time, Mills. But yes, continue. <laughs> they almost lost to Davis Mills. The defense... People were hope, People were hoping, hopeful, because they were going to get Stephon Gilmore back from injury. Uh, it would have been this week. Yeah. And then they traded him away. They don't. Bill Belichick doesn't need Stephon Gilmore. He doesn't need any talent on defense. It's just like the the defense is still talented, yes, but um, it's pretty much just a bunch of shivs being very well coached. And you notice that because the team is still very well coached, but it's just the the actual talent level on the team is simply not enough. And mm. that's probably the greatest indictment on this team right now. There's very little talent at offensive playmaking outside of their, their their two tight ends who haven't been that that great this year. No. Um, they they haven't been that noticeable. The wide receivers have been just as bad as last year. The offensive line is playing better, but that's about it. Uh running game, you're it, you're gonna get what you're gonna get from the running game. Mac Jones has actually been all right. Uh, I don't. Yeah, have, he is. He yeah, is. Yeah, I, I haven't been. I wouldn't complain too much about Mac Jones right now. Honestly, kind of the best rookie quarterback right now, um, as of today, at least. Now, obviously, not you know future projections or anything, but it's been a bit of an underwhelming offense with an underwhelming defense. So, kind of like two mediocre units. 
that's not going to match up well with the Cowboys. They're not going to make it out of this one alive. Mm-hmm. I, there is a world where they do win um, when if, you know, Dallas reverts to a Mike McCarthyism. Uh, they just, they just, <laughs> when it, you start purging, I think you're playing good football. <laughs> yeah. You know, just sell, just implode instantly because once the Cowboys do anything good, they always screw it up. But I mean, basically since the nineties, basically, but, um, but unless that happens this week, I don't see a world where the Cowboys lose. Uh, it's going to be, it would have to be a very scrappy defensive slug out. It, that the Pats would have to be winning. Yeah. So, Andrew, is it ever safe to count a Bill Belichick team out? No. No. Never. Never. And is there a chance that they could figure this out? That they could they could use what talent they have to be a scrappy kind of spoiler team? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I'm of two minds about this because I think that the Cowboys are. Not as good as their record, but they're still very good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I think the Pats are probably a little bit better than they've played. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah I, think, I, I think there's more there there. But here's the thing. I don't know when it will be, but I feel like the Pats are going to turn around somewhere towards the middle of the season and play better football. That doesn't mean they're going to win a bunch of games or have all these huge upsets, but they're going to look like a Bill Belichick team again. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm. I'm just honestly surprised that turnaround hasn't come sooner. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was going to come earlier, but it really hasn't. But I think the issue is, let's assume for a moment that that, that turnaround does come. Right there, they, you know, they play a good Belichickian game against the Cowboys. That's enough to beat the Cowboys, but I don't think that's enough for me to confidently say they beat the Cowboys. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I feel like you have to build two assumptions. One, you have to assume that the Patriots turnaround is going to come this week. And then you have to assume that that turnaround will be enough because the Cowboys will make enough dumb mistakes because the defense will regress, you know. So I just, I agree with you there. I think it'll be a closer game because I think that there's a good chance the Patriots could at least play solid football. But I think that having those two assumptions is a little too much. So I'm going to agree with you there that the Cowboys are clearly the better team and should win this game. That being said, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots scrapped out an ugly win, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that kind of sums up our thoughts on that. Uh, How about we get to that second game of yours? Well, the Washington football team and the Kansas City Chiefs, Mm. two titans of the NFL, equally great, (laughs) just with two equally exciting young quarterbacks in Taylor Heineke and Patrick Mahomes. Um, And... Two equally prestigious. Okay, I can't actually make that joke because Ron Rivera is actually a pretty respected head coach. Yeah. Uh, uh, two... well, well, oh, wait, but with all the stuff that's coming out about the the Washington football team organization, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Two equally loved organizations with two equally loved owners at the top. Just two of the best teams in the NFL. No two ways about it. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, I'm going to ask you something. Yeah. In their entire history. Washington and Kansas City have played 10 times. What do you think the all-time record is? Probably 7 and 3 for the football team. 9 to 1 Chiefs. Really? Yeah. No, cuz there was a, there was yeah. there was a massive stretch of time where the football team was really good. It didn't matter. 
Yeah, there was. Don't forget, Dan Snyder, when Dan Snyder bought the football team, they were the most valuable team in football. And not only that, but there was a massive amount of time and from the 70s to pretty much mid-90s where the Chiefs were abysmally bad. It didn't matter. They really? could not beat him. I know. I was shocked too. I, I genuinely could not. I really could not believe it. But it's true. So let's get into the history. First off, we've got one of the – I mean, I'm going to let you guess, Andrew. Do you think this is a game the uh, the Chiefs won or the football team? I mean, just probabilistically. Um, just because it's you, it's going to be the one that they won. Nope, I'm playing mind games with you. This is one they lost. <laughs> Flashback. It's 2005. You're still in diapers because you're a baby, Andrew. Uh-huh. But you but you may have seen this game. I don't know how. In some unbelievably improbable way. Mark Brunel throws for 330 yards. <laughs> True. Ooh, Mark, It's the Mark Brunel game, and Trent Green was the quarterback for the Chiefs. That's right. Mark Brunel, greatest quarterback in NFL history. Priest Holmes was also on the Chiefs, the Priest himself. Yeah, yeah, he was. They did not do well at all. Did they In fact, play, this was wait, did they he was play, starting to be phased out. Yeah, did they play Johnson now? Yeah, Larry Johnson was yeah. taken over. Priest Holmes had 14 attempts, but he only got 18 yards on those attempts. Ooh. Yeah, that's, Ooh. that's not good. That is what the folks in the business call not good. But let's get to the game itself. So... No scoring until late in the first quarter. Kansas City field goal. Then who is it? Who is connect? Who Mark Brunel finds in the end zone? Santana Moss. Oh, was this perennially underrated? Was this? Oh, I thought he was still on the Jets at this point. Nope, he's here. Uh, Unbelievably underrated wide receiver, man. I know. I I really like Santana Moss. Uh, How can you not like this guy? You know. I know uh, him and Chris Cooley, right? Yeah, this would have been this would have been when Chris Cooley was on was on Washington, right? Or was yeah, he on, Chris or, Cooley, was he on, or was he on Houston first? I don't remember. I I'm not sure exactly, but I'm just gonna say there was a time in the late aughts where, you know, there were two. Well, is that true? Well, the Giants had uh, Jeremy Shockey for a while. Yeah. So I guess who did the Eagles have a tight end in the late aughts though? The late aughts. Do they have anybody good in the tight a tight end? Nothing that's coming to mind immediately. No. Cowboys had Witten. Wait, wait, no, they had somebody. Eagles, TE, like 2008. No, they had somebody. I know this. Uh, I just can't. I just can't remember. But anyway, what I was going to say is that the NFC East has some really, really good. Uh, Brent Selleck. Brent Selleck. Thank you. Thank you, Internet. You remember Brent Selleck, Andrew? No, I don't. He was really solid, a fifth round pick. And he came out and he, he played some really good football for the Eagles. Uh, let's see here. What was his best season? He, yeah, I mean, he, he, yeah, he had a great 2011 season because Vic really liked him. But anyway, there was a stretch there in like the early tens where every NFC East team had a good above average tight end, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's just an interesting observation. But anyway, so then Casey kicked another field goal. So heading into half, uh, into halftime, Washington's up seven to six. But then Priest Holmes actually gets a touchdown run. And shockingly, for 2005 football, the Chiefs go for two and get it. So they're actually up seven to 14. But 
Mark Brunel finds Santana Moss on a 78-yard bomb to tie the game. That's right. But the Washington football team is still the Washington football team. So they fumble and allow Sammy Knight to return that fumble 80 yards for a touchdown. That sucks. But Mark Brunel finds Chris Cooler. So it's a tie ball. It's a tie ball game, right? Heading into the fourth quarter. This is this is starting to get good, yeah. And then um, Trent Green immediately uh, finds Priest Holmes, and Priest Holmes runs sixty yards for a touchdown, like in the first two minutes of the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. And the football team does nothing and loses twenty eight to twenty one. <laughs> also worth noting, uh, Mark or not not Mark Brunel, uh, Trent Green. Trent Green actually broke out with the Washington football team at the start of his career. Uh, that was, I believe, that was his first team that that he played for, uh, and he was really, really good. And then going into the ninety, I, I believe it's the ninety nine season, uh, the St. Louis Rams at the time really needed a quarterback, and they said, okay, yeah. I, I don't remember if they traded or they signed him from free agency, but they brought Trent Green to St. Louis, right? And That's in right. the in the preseason against the Patriots, against the Patriots, Harry. Uh, Rodney, Rod, I forgot, Rodney Houston, Houston, I think. I think, I think so, I think so. Rodney Houston, the safety, he was the really good safety for the Pats, uh, for the Pats yeah. and the Chargers. But when it, when he came in to sack Trent Green, he actually tore his ACL, uh, Trent Green did. And that is what allowed Kurt Warner to step in for the Rams in, in that 1999 preseason game. And that eventually became the greatest show on turf and led to the Rams uh super bowl so yeah it, it all true. connects it all connects harry yeah but anyway this is a very washington football team game play well enough to keep keep their fans invested before just absolutely laying down to die in the fourth quarter it's a very washington game yeah uh i'm not mad though I'm not mad but anyway let's talk about mark brunel right yeah i so, like him mark brunel is actually the greatest quarterback in jacksonville jaguars history <laughs> yeah yeah that's kind of true which you can laugh andrew like a meanie but, but he, did, he didn't suck show some respect yeah he, did, he actually that's didn't four suck. playoff appearances in the first five years that's their they're an expansion team they make the playoffs in the in four of their first five years and that includes three pro bowl nods for our boy i i forgot like brock brunel actually didn't suck that's the thing i know it's not amazing and he and to this day he was he's the best best thing Jack that one of the best things that ha- ever happened at the Jags, him and Tony Baselli and Fred Taylor, yeah, Maurice Jones true or M- MJD now making but, now now making uh, terrible takes on NFL Network. It's the circle of life. <laughs> Play well in the NFL, become an idiot on TV. <laughs> but anyways, but anyway, the point is that Brunel was very good with the Jaguars. Then he was never quite the same with his various teams after the Jags, including DC, but he did win a Super Bowl. Do you know who he won a Super Bowl with? This is random trivia. I have no expectation that you would know this, Andrew. Uh, who did Mark Brunel play for after the Jags? Uh, Mind you, he didn't win a Super Bowl as like the starting quarterback on this. No, season. no, this I'm, I'm trying to think where he was a backup. Um, No, not the Giants. No. Um, yeah, you got me beat. You got me beat. In the bayou. He was there in 11. He was? He was their placeholder, actually, not just their backup QB. 
Wow. So yeah, uh, now he's actually, but you know what? Everyone says, Harry, you spend so much time looking at the old NFL. It makes me think you don't even care about the current NFL. That's partially because I don't, because my team sucks right now, so I don't want to watch him. But this actually connects, because do you know what Mark Brunel is doing right now, Andrew? Is he's he... the quarterback's coach for the Detroit Lions. Huh? Good for him. He is? Yeah. Okay, I just want to note, Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell, um, who is the current head coach of the of the Detroit Lions. First of all, he was a really good tight end for Dallas in in the in the early to late aughts. Okay, he 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 was initially tight end. He then uh, after he retired, he was a tight ends coach under Sean Payton in New Orleans. Aaron Glenn, mm. who is his defensive coordinator, uh, was a cornerback. For I believe it was either the I believe it was the Houston Texans, and um, eventually Aaron Glenn be- became the defensive backs coach uh, right. in in New Orleans, and is now the defensive coordinator in uh, in Detroit. So two former players who were playing at the same time, as well as Mark Brunel. So I, I actually I made just I just made that connection. Now that's really cool. I think it's yeah. really cool. So just wanted to sort of get to get at that because i thought that was fun and good for mark Rennell, honestly but andrew you do know me kind of well because our second game will be the only game washington has ever (laughs) won against kansas city because i like to give the illusion of a close series all time you know Mm -hmm. and wait till we get to predictions andrew okay okay iva we're gonna play a game andrew about exactly how these predictions are gonna go because let's be honest one (laughs) team is good one team is not so carry on carry on anyway it was back in the good old days 83 rfk stadium right Mm -hmm. you know who's quarterbacking the redskins because they were called that back then of course you know who it was was it was it doug williams no no way it was joe theisman it was joe theisman the goat everybody loves joe theisman Except for LT. LT is a criminal, man. <laughs> he took four Super Bowls away from Washington. No, seven. No, ten. <laughs> but you know who else threw a pass that game for Washington? Who? Rigo. I can't find any news report, but it clearly states in every box score I found that Rigo went 0 for 1 passing. <laughs> so John, who, That would have been John Riggins, right? John Riggins, of course. Yeah. yeah truly the greatest fullback of all time but i don't know why i don't know how john riggins got his hand on the foot on the uh, hands on the football (laughs) to throw it but he did he didn't throw a pick he just didn't complete it i don't know what happened i can't find any evidence this has happened outside of the box score but it did Mm -hmm. anyway they're playing honestly just one of the best chiefs teams you're ever going to hear about the 83 chiefs you know Bill Kenny, uh, 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 <laughs> Bill Kenny, uh, Bill Kenny, Bill Kenny uh, and friends, Nick Lowry, uh, that was their kicker. <laughs> Jim Arnold was their punter. He punted uh, an average of 43.7 yards that game. So mm-hmm. pretty good performance for the eighties, but seriously, this is not a very good Chiefs team anyway. So how did it go? Well, Actually, KC jumps out to the to, is the only team that scores in the entire first half, right? Mm-hmm. They go up 12 nothing. 
They just kick four field goals. Oh, that's awful. That's, <laughs> it's that, 80s that's football. Like, that's like that Dan. That's like when you were talking about, oh, Dan Bailey was really taking advantage of missed opportunities. Oh, well, he was. What, what about four field goals? <laughs> In fairness, the first one was 58 yards. The okay. second oh, one was All right, 20. that is pretty cool. That is pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, the second right. one was 21, the, the third was 32, and the fourth was 22. So let's be clear here. Yeah, it was pretty bad. But that's just 80s football for you, okay? That's that's just another element of how good Joe Gibbs was. He got in the opposing coach's head, right? <laughs> he made him cowards. But actually, but in all seriousness, Joe Gibbs was actually really good at halftime adjustments, which is why Washington came roaring out of the gates with future Hall of Fame, with a future Hall of Famer's kick. That's right. Mark Mosley knocking yes. it down. Greatest kicker of all time. Gotta love Mark Mosley, dude. I mean, listen, he's the Clayton, not the Clayton Kershaw. He's the Sandy Koufax of kickers, right? Mm-hmm. He, his year, his best year is better than any other kickers. Why? How do I know that? How many other kickers have an MVP trophy? Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so he kicks a field goal and then Rigo runs it in there. So now it's 12 to 10. Then Theisman finds Don Warren and makes it 17 to 12. Then just because they're going to kick him while they're down, Joe Theisman uh, finds uh, Clint Didier 40 yards downfield and Mark Mosley kicks another field goal. Washington wins in dominant fashion, 27 to 12. All 27 points scored in the second half. Nice. Nice. Let's just not talk about any other game that (laughs) that DC has ever played against the Chiefs because it's not fun. But this was a fun game. Yeah, that's true. Theisman, but Theisman only threw for 153 yards. Bill Kenny, he actually threw for 330. And you might say, Harry, who's Bill Kenny? Well. Bill Kenny is low-key not that bad, though. He actually threw four. He had a Pro Bowl year where he threw for 4,000 yards. In the 80s. In the 80s. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's good. He just didn't really have another good year. That was his only good year. But he was actually the second most prolific passer in Chiefs history when he left the team, behind only Len Dawson. So... Hmm. And Len hmm. Dawson won the Chiefs, what was it, Super Bowl two? Yeah, wasn't one. <laughs> wasn't one. But my point is that the only thing he's really, really interesting for is that another show favorite, Todd Blackledge, right? Mm-hmm. We've talked about him on in his 49ers career. Well, he actually blocked Todd Blackledge from starting early on because the Chiefs kept trying to kept hoping that he would regain that magic from that one year. But you know where he went for his last year after he left the Chiefs? Where'd he go? To Washington. Ooh. Bring it full circles. And how'd he do? He was behind Doug Williams and Mark Rippon, so he didn't play. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mark Rippon's, I, I forget it, if it's grandson or, or or nephew. I forget which one it is. But um, descendant, I guess. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that how you would say it? Like You could say descendant, yeah. Uh, yeah. Descendant, descendant Brett, Brett Rippon is, I believe, still backup quarterback in um in denver you might remember oh yeah yeah you might remember remember him playing a little bit last year yeah 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 that's right that's true um 
but yeah, so sort of an interesting bringing it full circle. You know, he's the only Chiefs quarterback to ever lose to Washington. He goes to Washington, mm-hmm. you know. So there you go, a little interesting factoid. But Andrew, normally I would ask you, what do you think is going to happen? But that's not fun because <laughs> I think we all know it's going to happen. So Andrew, let's just assume you're magically transported to D.C., where the okay. culture is actually dang good. So you're you're in the situation with Ron Rivera. He needs a game plan, all right? I'm in a sticky situation with Ron Rivera. You, right? uh, okay. <laughs> Dan Snyder's holding a gun to your head, and he says, figure out how we're going to beat the Chiefs. What do you say? How can Washington win this game? How can they win this game? Okay, so presumably the Chiefs would have to take a plane to watch. (laughs) Okay, I think I see where this is going. What I'm saying is we make Washington, D.C. a no-fly zone. All right? Play a little mm. mind games with the Chiefs, okay? <laughs> they're going to they're gonna have to fly into the next the next closest airport, right? Okay, okay. This is big brain. All right, I'm taking um, notes right now. I'm going to send this to the team. Now, now we need to block everything in the Virg- in the MDVA area. All of course, right? of course. Which means they can't go to Maryland, Virginia, or or um, or Delaware, okay? Those right. those weirdos in, Del- in Delaware who nobody knows anything about, okay? We we don't yeah. we we don't let the Chiefs fly anywhere near there. They have to fly into I don't mm-hmm. know North Carolina, North Carolina. Make, make them fly somewhere. Right, okay. right. Actually, right, no. Okay. Get in on with the Panthers. All right, to block North Carolina. Basically, what we're aiming to do is make the make the Chiefs fly into West Virginia or Kentucky, or or any of those states. All right. The mm-hmm. aim is to get them to mm-hmm. do that. Next, you you get them in on a bus, all right? Because what else are you gonna do? You know, you, you can't fly. You can't fly into four states, right? So they true. You need to road trip it. Now, I want I want that bus to be stopped by every single police officer on that highway as as efficiently as you can make it. All right, this is gonna be like the the police officers in Mexico or other areas in Central and South America. Where they're always asking for donations. All right. Ah, that you have to ball. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. You're gonna bankrupt the Chiefs. <laughs> bankrupt the Chiefs on the way there. All right. This is honestly big brain. And then by the time they get there, they'll have been late to the game. So by default, Washington wins. Okay. Okay. Dan Snyder eagerly embraces your plan, but Ron Rivera shakes his head. That's not how we do it here. Come up with a real football plan. <laughs> what are you gonna do now? Oh, you want like actual football? Strategy? Yeah, well, I, I want you to have. I want you to make the best case you can for how Washington win this game. I'm okay. genuinely curious to see what you because think. it's really not interesting to actually tell you what's gonna happen. So because we all know what's gonna happen, I don't think that's a question. But I want to see if Washington were to win this game, how would they do it? <sighs> Well, <laughs> thinks really hard. Well, Harry, I'm not the one getting paid millions of dollars to come up with the answer to these questions. Mm-hmm, I would mm-hmm. have to ask. Uh, I would have to ask Romvera himself. But okay, if you're asking my humble opinion as some, right. some dweeb in in Washington, you know, state that is Washington State. Um. 
you force Mahomes to play hero ball. Mm, that's what mm. you need to force him to do. Um, okay. That that's what I would go with first because that's where he's been making all of his, all of his mistakes this year. I think I think it's the Chiefs as well as the Jaguars that are tied for the most turnovers so far this year. It's, yeah, it's really bizarre. So. Uh, it's either them or them or the Jets, but it's it, it's really astounding just how how much uh, how much you know normal mistakes you know petty little mistakes that the Chiefs' offense has been making this year. Um, right. They've been playing sloppy, real sloppy. Like, really, really sloppy. Like, so sloppy, they're not actually a really good team right now. <laughs> yes, as in so sloppy that every pass is a no-look pass, okay? Oh, baby. But, um, first of all, the, the, the Washington defense needs to play up to its expectations because they have just been abysmal <sighs> this year for yes, some reason. Yes, they have. Um... So they need to play like they're supposed to. Uh, they need to play as advertised. You force Mahomes to play mis- to to make mistakes. Uh, basically, do stuff to to force him out of the pocket. Actually, make Deron Payne and and Jonathan Allen do stuff up the middle of that offensive line to bully their guards. That's what I would do. I'm genuinely wondering where that front four went. Okay. I know. Where did it go? Like th- th- this is. Years of first round picks and they're just gone, man. I mean, quite quite notably, actually, I would put Montez Sweat on. Uh, this is actually like a real strategy uh-huh. thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would put Montez Sweat on Orlando Brown, uh, their their left tackle, right? So Montez Sweat, yeah. Washington edge rusher on Orlando Brown, uh, left tackle of the Chiefs, and here's why: Orlando mm-hmm. Brown was getting hidden on the Ravens. Okay, he was he's still a great run blocker, to be fair, um, right. which which he was, which he was in Baltimore. But he kind of forced himself out out of Baltimore by saying by really wanting to play left tackle uh, because that's mm-hmm. where his dad mm-hmm. played. And he really wants to play left tackle. But the problem is Ravens had Ronnie Stanley, who's one of the best tackles in the league at left right, tackle. Right. So they're so not, he's about, not going anywhere. Yeah. So he's not going anywhere. So they traded Orlando Brown to the Chiefs. Um, to play left tackle, he's still a great run blocker. He was never a good pass blocker ever. Mm. He he has slow feet. He's just he just doesn't get he just doesn't have the best pass protection protection technique either. He's just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not fast enough to deal with speed around the edge, and that is what Montez Sweat has. That is something that is very unique to Montez Sweat. That he is just a different type of athlete at you know speed wise quick twitch wise right. at edge so i say put chase young on him on earlier downs uh you know the more complete edge rusher and then put montez mm-hmm. sweat on him on third downs um that that would be pretty smart um okay okay but anyways let's flip the side to the offense here for washington right um the thing about taylor heineke harry is that one He's dri- the go. one drive Okay. One one drive, you'll say, "Oh my God, Taylor Heineke actually looks good. This is so fun. I really love seeing him." And then the yeah, next drive, that's... he's it. He makes it. You know, he, you you remind yourself, "Oh yeah, this guy's a backup." Oh uh, yeah. I don't know, Andrew. You it's know really who else is backup at the start of his career? Who? Tom Brady. 
I thought I thought you were gonna say Patrick Mahomes, but Patrick Mahomes. I'm sorry, we're not even talking about Patrick Mahomes right now. Okay, <laughs> he's gonna do unspeakable things to my team. I don't want to talk him up. Okay. Oh man, I do. I, I just, do. I do. My heart goes out to Taylor Heineke. I really love watching him play. He, but... Isn't he fun? Isn't he fun? Man, fun. this is the fundamental difference between being a Washington fan and a Dallas fan. Dallas fans are like. Well, my team's been playing really well and they're super fun, but I think they're going to disappoint me. And Washington fans are like, when will the disappointment stop? <laughs> there is no floor. <laughs> our organization is so bad, we've dragged down other people in our investigations. God, that... Oh, that's... I don't even want to get into that. I don't want to get into Washington and their organization right now. That is for... Another day. That could be an entire entire show, Harry. That could be a very upsetting show for me because uh, why did you the NFL's investigation? They had no paper. You know, they destroyed all the evidence they found, which is like, bruh, they, <laughs> you can't make it more obvious. You don't want to find anything than saying we will not have any written reports. Did you see that Adam Schefter um, emailed Bruce Allen uh, when he was uh, about to publish his stories on the Washington football team and the, and the stories coming out of it, right? And, mm-hmm. and indicting the organization. He emailed Bruce Allen, the president. I don't remember if it was a GM or president at the time. He emailed him asking him to tweak it, edit it, make sure everything was okay. Uh. Like breaking actual codes of journalism level stuff. To def- yeah, baby. To defend the Washington football team. Uh. He's remember when he hired people to intimidate minority holders in the team so that he could consolidate his ownership. Remember when Dan Snyder, uh, we're not even getting, well, let's not even talk about the cheerleader it, stuff. That's yeah. actually not radio. That's not even radio appropriate. It's so bad. Uh, let, let's just say he, um, he marketed the cheerleaders to, uh, donors and, and, and shareholders. Let's not even talk about the tapes, right? Yeah. I mean, the texts. And that's just, that's, that's stuff. Like that's actually evil stuff, but he's done like cartoonishly evil owner stuff before, like selling expired peanuts to fans <laughs> or using eminent domain to throw old ladies out of their houses to build parking lots. Actual thing he did, by the way. So not only is he like evil in the creepy way, but he's evil in like the classic owner way too, you know? Oh my God. Oh, wa- oh Washington. Oh, Washington. Honestly, I just, I want this team to, I, I like this team. Like, I like the guys. Dan Snyder's got to go. I'm sorry. And it's this, I think he's the worst owner in sports now. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that, I don't think, like, I think there was an argument like that. There was that Clippers owner who, like, didn't like his girlfriends going into the locker room because there were black people in their actual thing. <laughs> he he had, like, in writing, um. But now that he's gone, yeah, it's kind of the worst, you know? Yeah. I mean, obviously, we'd have to look into not not just in the U.S., but expand it to global. That's true. That's true. I don't know globally well enough. But, yeah, like, at least we're sports owner in, in the big four American sports, I would say. Yeah. I mean, With, without a why doubt. can't... I don't know. Okay, you know what? Why can't the government just buy Washington? You know, ooh, ooh. actually, no, it would be fitting. It would be fitting. Wouldn't be fitting it? Yeah. it would be fitting. 
but not the federal government to be clear because the federal government's already got their 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 fingers way too far in dc dc should be a state and as as its first act as a state it should buy the team you know packers style oh geez no anyway it's bad it's It's really bad anyways let's make how about we make uh how about we make one quick point uh because we've got about like two or three minutes left so so let's make one quick point just so we don't end the show on this on the not fun note yeah uh Oh, oh, you! I thought you wanted to go first. No, no, I was, I was out of ideas. <laughs> okay, no, I've got ideas. I just thought you had. That's the you were you were pushing for something because you had something to say. No, go for All it. All right. Anyway, yeah. So, I think it's interesting to see how this NFL season has so far kind of shaken out. Right? It's been Washington, really entertaining. Washington's been a big disappointment, but just looking at the NFC East, the Cowboys have played up. Giants have disappointed, and the Eagles have played better than expected. Going to the NFC West, I mean, the Seahawks are dead. <laughs> I mean, they're, <laughs> they're dead. Just... They're dead, but it, was it really their fault? Yeah, build a decent roster. <laughs> yeah. Don't make Russell Wilson run for his life. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's true. But anyway, I just think it's interesting to see how, and also, this is, I mean, a lot of people talk about how offense has been increasing, mm-hmm. but I think this is one of the most noticeable jumps year to year. You know, especially that Browns Chargers game, man, that was that was a game. You know, this the Browns are the first team to ever. I think it is score it, seven touchdowns. No, 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 six, it, t- six it, touchdowns it, and not turn the ball over. No, and I th- still lose. I think I think the record is like go over four hundred. No, I think the record is score forty points or more with no turnovers and still lose the game. I think is what the record is. Something like that. Yeah. I mean. The point is, these things don't happen, but they're going to become a lot more common. And I think a lot of that depends on what your opinions on what football should be, whether you think that's good or bad. Mm-hmm. But it's changing. That much is pretty clear. Yeah, and we can leave uh, we can leave questions like that unanswered to answer on a different different time, Harry. Yeah. Different time. Well, folks, I that's do right. believe that uh, that does it for today's episode. Harry, would you like to lead us out? Thank you so much for listening to this episode of. Bubby's Brunch Buddies. Hope you gained some new Bubby Brister trivia. Maybe you gained some perspective on the upcoming games. Thanks again for listening. Have a great evening. We hope to catch you next time.